think I have good internet. But sometimes when I'm traveling, my internet can surprise me. So we'll see how it works and hopefully it's uh it's good through the meeting and uh go from there but uh, i've got a nice little fireplace behind me as you see a big tv set uh, i might turn it on later we'll see as it progresses but tonight we're going to get back into the inheritance of christ as I've said, the inheritance of Christ is our inheritance. That's the inheritance you have, your joint heirs together with him. So it would really make sense for us to understand his inheritance. What did he inherit? And as we get a hold of that, we'll you know, you know, begin to live in it, experience it, understand it, comprehend it have it as a uh, reality in our hearts and our minds and our lives, be able to minister it to others. That's why we understand him. You know, we could say, we could just simply say, well, I'm saved. And, and that's true. And, and like many people say, well, you got the whole package when you got saved, you got Jesus. Okay. He's the whole package. I agree with that hundred percent. He's, he's all in all, but I don't know everything. I don't comprehend everything. I don't walk or walk out in all the fullness of the understanding of what I received when I received the Lord. I don't, I didn't do that. I didn't wake up and all at once, everything just began to work in me after I got saved. It was a process and it's a process of the Lord, not our process. I think some of us can come into it quicker than others, some slower. Some Sometimes it has to do with the willingness of our heart, maybe. You know, the setting of the heart and of the mind. Some people think there's, you know, nothing you can do. I don't agree with that. I think you can do things. <laughs> I think you can make decisions, bad decisions, good decisions. I think God gives us the ability to do that. So we make decisions. We we spend our time positive or we spend our time negative. And we've all done that. We've all spent it positive. We've all spent it negative. I'm sure everybody here has done that and come away and said, wow, I wish I hadn't wasted my time. But having said that, the heart after the Lord, everything hinges on, I believe, the heart being after the Lord. Everything. If you have a heart after the Lord, you begin to search out the things of God. He is going to open his treasures and fill you to where you overflow. I, I, I believe that's just the nature of God, that he does that, because the blessing of Christ is to overflow out of the vessels. It's the way it is. And we're the vessels that carry it. So he overflows out of us. Because we carry his life within us. We this morning, Brother Bob talked a little bit about a, a message we were in, uh, I think on Zoom and in our local fellowship, and we had talked some about the exchange. And in the exchange, Jesus became what we we are, we were. And we couldn't get out of what we were. We were stuck. 
but the exchange is we would become what he is. It's not just that he became what we were. He brings us into what he is. And that's, that's a really good exchange. You were lost. Now you're found. You were darkness. Now you're light. You were in the kingdom of darkness. Now you're in the kingdom of God's dear son. All of this is known in Christ. And as we know that, we can speak from it, live from it, manifest it, declare it. You go on and on. You can use all kinds of words to describe it, but that's what we do. We come to know him. So, so we've read the last couple of weeks in Ephesians 1. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to read Hebrews 2 again, and we're going to pick up or Hebrews, it, it Acts, I mean, Acts again, Acts 13. So we're going to read first Ephesians 1 at the end of the chapter. And what we're wanting to look at here is his inheritance in the saints. So in, in Ephesians 1, it tells us that Jesus has an inheritance in the saints. So he has an inheritance, and that inheritance, I believe, is shared, manifest, declared, made known in the people of God, who are the saints, one and the same. Paul prays for the church. He says in verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So see here, God has an inheritance in the saints. So the, the Lord, you know, Paul saying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto us the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him, wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that we may know the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, turn over to Acts 13. Acts 13. And we'll see here in Acts 13. Sorry, verse 26 says, Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you fear of God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and the rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they have fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in the sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead, and he was seen many days of them which came up 
with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you the glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is written in the second Psalm, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. Speaking of the resurrection, which we dealt with last week. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. What does that mean? Just set that out there. And then he said, wherefore he saith in another psalm, thou shalt not suffer thy holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation, by the will of God fell asleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things, which they could not be justified by the law of Moses. And I'll stop right here. So we dealt with this. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Actually dealt with it probably a couple, two or three times. Of that speaking of the resurrection. Now, probably what we're going to deal with a couple of times, two or three times, is I will give you the sure mercies of David. You could probably say it this way. I will give you the sure blessings of David. What God had spoken, why were they sure? Because God said it. <laughs> That's why they're the sure mercies of David, the sure blessings, the sure favor of David. God said it. So Christ inherited the blessings of David. That's where all the scriptures concerning David find their fulfillment, is in the Lord Jesus Christ. So when I look at the scripture, and we're going to do that in a moment in the book of uh, 2 Samuel, we're going to turn back there and look at some of the promises. But I wanted to read a little bit of this that I just read. I wanted to read it out to Amplified, and then we're going to turn back to, I said, Second Samuel. We'll turn to Isaiah 55 first, and if you want to mark it, Second Samuel 7. And we may not get any further because we're going to read these chapters, or parts of them anyway. But before we do that, here in Acts, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified in verse 32 where we're at. Let me get there in the Amplified Bible. It says, and we are bringing you the good news of the promise made to our fathers, that God has completely fulfilled this promise to our children by raising up Jesus, as it is also written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And that he raised him from the dead, never again to return to decay, 
He has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David, those blessings and mercies that were promised to him. So he's going to give to the people, you know, Isaiah says, but all this comes to its fulfillment in Christ, and it's to a people. But how does it go from Christ to a people? Well, that's where Romans comes in. We are joint heirs with him. So what Jesus has received, he has given, divided the spoil with the believer. That's right. So this finds its fulfillment. Isaiah 55 finds its fulfillment in Christ. The sure, steadfast blessing, the favor of God given to David. And we're going to look at it. And I, I want to turn back there to Isaiah. But before I do that, I want to just turn over to Romans 4. I told you to turn to Isaiah. Now I'm going to turn to Romans 4 first. Because I sense that's where we need to go. That's why. So in Romans 4. I couldn't find it because I was in Corinthians for it. I was like, well, that ain't what that says. Well, I found it. <laughs> now, now here's what I want to get to. In Romans 4, 1, we, we read, What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, humanly speaking, has found? He Has he obtained a favored standing? For if Abraham was justified... That is, acquitted from the guilt of his sins by works, those things he did that were good, he has something to boast about, but not before God. So if he is justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed in, trusted in, relied on God, and it was credited to his account as righteousness, right living, right standing with God. Now, to a laborer, his wages are not credited as a favor or a gift, but as an obligation, something owed to him. But to the one who does not work, that is, the one who does not try to earn his salvation by doing good, but believes and completely trusts in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited to him as righteousness, right standing with God. And in this same way, David speaks of the blessing. Remember, he's going to get the sure blessing of God. <laughs> Look at this, the sure mercies of David. This same way, David speaks of the blessing on the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed and happy and favored are those whose lawless acts have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered up and completely buried. Blessed and happy and favored is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account nor charge against him. Here's part of the sure blessings of David. Here they are. Thy sins and iniquities, he says in another place, well, I remember no more. We receive this in Christ. See, I could read this in the Bible and not know it. I could say it all day. 
but I know it in the person of Jesus Christ. I know it in knowing him. Why? Because he took that upon himself. He that knew no sin, we were in this this morning, became sin. That we might be made in him the righteousness of God. So all this mercy of David finds its fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ and is passed on or ministered into you and I by the Lord himself. That's the sure mercy. That's sure. See, why it's sure is the Lord performed the work. God said it. The Lord Jesus performed it. That's why it's sure. And the Holy Spirit reveals it in our heart. See how that works. In the Old Covenant, God said it. The Lord Jesus came in the body of his flesh and did it. Became the propitiation, became the sacrifice, became the one that sin was laid upon. All that happened in him. And now the Holy Spirit reveals Christ, reveals he shall take of mine, reveals what he did at the cross, that he removed your sins and iniquities, and they're not remembered anymore. God doesn't see you there. You may see yourself there, but God doesn't see you there. He has given you the sure mercies my God, of David. Now, all this comes to fulfillment in Christ because it's what Acts said. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and I will give him the sure mercies of David. Now, we, being joined to the Lord, share in that benefit, share in that glory. Amen. We never take his glory, but we share in it. He shares in his body what he's done. That's the goodness of God, that he's sharing with us himself. He's not selfish. <laughs> like we have something good in the natural, and we, and we, and we say about so-and-so, well, they're selfish. Well, Lord ain't selfish. The Lord gives that of himself. And he expects that to flow out of us, that we give in like measure, as it's measured out, this forgiveness of sin, that we in like measure forgive others as the Lord. See, we've read that in the scripture, as the Lord hath forgiven us. How did he forgive us? He laid the sins upon him. They're not remembered anymore. Thy sins and lawless deeds will I remember no more. Wow. So that's how... He expects that to flow out of us. Same measure. Yeah. That's called salvation. Now, I could get up and shout right now because I feel that good. <laughs> As my saying is, I feel like jumping through my skin because <laughs> it's so good. I mean, when the Lord begins to minister into you and it comes so good and you see it so clear by the Spirit of the Lord and you can see that flowing river, that cleansing water of life just flowing. And all you can say is hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Praise the living God. 
of how good he is. So here we are in this in this great place with the Lord. And let's flip back to Isaiah 55, and I'm going to try to read 2 Samuel 7 as well. But Isaiah 55 is where this comes from. And so when I flip back there and look at it, and again, it finds its fulfillment in the Lord Jesus. And if I try to find it anywhere else, I won't find it. But it says Isaiah 55, 1 is one of our probably favorite scriptures. Probably everybody get turns there. They're going to know it. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no, who have no money, come buy grain and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. And I love what the Amplified says here. Simply accept it as a gift from God. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread and your earnings for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight in abundance. Listen to this. <laughs> listen, listen to me. <laughs> Incline your ear to listen and come to me here so that your soul may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies. My Lord, here it is, faithful mercies promised and shown to David. So, so here in the old covenant, he's speaking to the natural Israel, but he's speaking through the prophet Isaiah, he's speaking to the church. He's speaking to the really who Israel is today, the believer. Now, now, Isaiah, I guess, was writing this, and the Jews were reading it. The Israelites were reading it, but it's speaking to us all. All, And he goes on, he says, listen carefully, verse 4, carefully, I have appointed him, David, representing the Messiah, to be a witness to the nations regarding salvation, a leader and commander to the people. In fact, Israel will call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that does not know you will run to you because of the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel. He has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him for salvation while he is near. Let the wicked leave behind his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion and mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon See, all of this is fulfilled in Christ, the abundant pardon, the, the glory, he, for he has glorified you. Where does that come to? Jesus, the glory I have, I have given to you. That's where it comes to. So it finds fulfillment, the sure, steadfast mercies of David travels through Christ or in Christ into the body, into you and I, to where we can get a hold of this, the abundant pardon. And if you and I've read this next scripture, I don't know how many times preach from it. I don't know how many times, but if you but if you look at it in this context of what he's saying, he's talking about abundant pardon. And he goes into my ways, what does he say? For let the wicked leave behind his way and the unrighteous man his thought, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion, mercy on him, 
and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. Now, remember what we said earlier, how Jesus instructed us to forgive as he forgave, right? Now, if you tie this together and what the Lord is saying here in Isaiah, let the wicked turn to me and I will abundantly pardon. <laughs> my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Because our ways, a lot of times, are an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, right? Kind of out of the law. But God's saying, I will abundantly pardon. My ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are past finding out. And, and what's the beauty of the Lord? He shows us his ways. He declares his ways in the person of Jesus Christ. We can't find them out. We can't figure them out. But he reveals his very divine way to you and I. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So we come into a new path, a path of righteousness, by the work of Jesus Christ. And the abundant mercies that we've received of the Lord, we are to give to others. That's what I believe this is. This is what the Lord's saying. The blessing that we've received, freely you've received, freely give. Bring people into the goodness of this land. Because we're, we're in a great place, a large place, a place filled with the goodness of God filled with the sure mercy of David, filled with the sure promise to David that, that Jesus is on the throne, just like the promise says, unto us a child is born, son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, upon the throne of David to order and establish it from henceforth and forever. So this throne, this government of God, this abundance of pardon, it never runs out. We, we hear songs like that, thy mercy never runs out. But have we got a hold of it? <laughs> that's, that's another thing to sing that song than to get a hold of what he's done and how this flows like a river. You know, Isaiah Come ye that's thirsty and drink. Come ye and buy and eat for, you, you know, grain that is that has no cost. Why? Because the Lord has given it. The Lord has paid the price. Why does it have no cost? Because Jesus. See if see you guys see Jesus everywhere here. Why does this have no cost? Because He took it. He paid the price. That's why it has no cost. Because He paid the price. And he's, if we can hear it, he's given out the grain. He's already paid. And he's just parceling out to you and I what he's already done. So, I, so it's amazing when the Spirit of the Lord begins to work and you see Jesus. Ain't it something? Everywhere you go, you open it up, you see Jesus. <laughs> Why? Because He's your life. Christ is your life. And, and, and as that sinks into us, every aspect of him, tonight we're talking about the riches of his pardon, of what he paid, 
doesn't cost us anything, cost him everything. <laughs> it cost him all. Okay? But we just come and receive of the Lord's hand. We come and receive of the Lord's bounty. And then what's to flow out of us is the abundance of this. As I have pardoned you, so you pardon others. Now, it doesn't mean, don't, don't get me wrong, there's decisions we have in the natural that we have to make out of the wisdom of God. So when you pardon somebody, there still may be in some hard decisions you have to make, but you can still pardon them. You can still show them the life of God, the grace, mercy, truth of God, and give them his pardon. That's what he's talking about. Doesn't mean you don't operate wisely as well. You do, because he's wise. <laughs> you know, you found in Solomon wisdom, right? You, you, the story with the baby, the, the two mothers and the baby coming to Solomon, and, and the wisdom of Solomon worked in the midst. So it's going to work together, pardon and wisdom. Just like the spirit of wisdom and revelation, it works together. So that, so that there's the proper order in the parceling out from the body of Christ, that it operates in wisdom. It operates in charity. It understands how to operate. The Lord understood how to operate. He, he wasn't lacking. And so, so as we're in union with him, that's the same with us. We come into an understanding of how to operate. So I was going to read all this, Isaiah 55, but you can go on for time's sake. Let's turn back to 2 Samuel 7. And here again, we're going to find the sure mercy, sure blessings of David. 2 Samuel 7. I just look at verse 1, and I, uh, I'm just like, my Lord. When King David lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies. Look, look at that. Who is that but Jesus? Giving us rest. God has given us rest through Christ. Where's that realized? In the Lord Jesus. Rest from all the enemies. The king said to Nathan, the prophet, See how I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells within tent curtains. And Nathan said to the king, go do everything that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, go and tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, should you be the one to build me a house in which to dwell? For I've not dwelt in a house since the day I brought the sons of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent, even in a tabernacle, wherever I have gone with all the Israelites. Did I speak a word to any from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, asking, why have you not built me a house of cedar? So now say this to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts. I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make you a great name like that of the great men of the earth. I will appoint a place for my people Israel. Now this place is Christ and I will plant them. See, see, this finds its fulfillment. I know we see it in the natural that they come into Canaan, but really 
we find it were planted in his death, were planted together with him. But we find this is what Jesus said at that day, you will know I am in my father. You are in me and I'm in you. I will appoint a place for my people Israel and I'll plant them. That's where God has planted us in Christ so that they may live in a place of their own and not be disturbed again. The wicked will not afflict them again as formerly. And we, we already dealt with this, how that the sins and iniquities were laid upon Jesus and Jesus has pardoned us greatly in that he have cast them away. He has brought us into death to that old man. So the wicked will not afflict them again as formerly, even from the day that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord also declares to you that he will make a house, royal dynasty for you. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down in death with your fathers, ancestors, I will raise up your descendant after you. Here it is again. I will raise him up. <laughs> this day have I begotten thee. Christ raised from the dead who shall be born to you and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and my presence. And I will, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father. He shall be my son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men and with the strokes of the son of men. Now, did Jesus bear our stripes? Sure he did. Sure he did. See, we're one with him. Now, did Jesus sin? No, I told you that. But he took all that on himself. Then he comes on and says, but my loving kindness and mercy will not depart from him, from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. So, Here's the sure mercies of David. Right here. The throne of the Lord being established forever. And we look at the throne of the Lord and we say, well, what is the throne of the Lord? It's the rule and reign of Christ. And I wish I could hear this years ago. In the rule of and reign of Christ, he said, you're pardoned. Now that's a, that's what the king says. You died with me. I brought you to death. I ended that way of life. That's in the rule and reign of Christ. I'm going to show you my ways. Now, one last scripture tonight. In Luke's gospel, right in the beginning of Luke, scripture reads, Luke 1.26, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. The virgin pledged in marriage to a man named Joseph, who was of the house of David. Here you go. And the virgin's name was Mary. The angel appeared to her and said, Greetings, you are you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. This is the resurrection book. This thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. See, when Jesus rose from the dead, all that was before, all the kingdoms that were before, they were done. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Why can he translate you out of darkness into light? Because he rules over it. See, when you come into his rule, he rules over that. When you receive him, you come into his kingdom. He becomes your Lord. You know that? Lord, we, we use the phrase Lord and Master. See that as the king. Lord Jesus Christ. That's a that's a term for a king, Lord of lords, king of kings, because you're, you're referring him as the Lord. You bow down to what he's done. You've come into the, if we use the word sovereignty, of his kingdom, the power and might of his kingdom, the goodness of his kingdom. Yes. Upon the throne of David to order and establish it from henceforth and forever. Now, I'm sure when they laid the babe in the manger, they probably didn't see that. That that little babe was going to raise from the dead. <laughs> was going to overthrow the kingdoms of the world. Was going to be able to bring men's hearts and minds out of the shame and treachery of hell into the light and life of God. Amen. And that's what he does. He brings us out of the lowest place. It's no problem for him. We think it is sometimes. It's no problem for Jesus because he is the king. And we're in his government. We're in his rule. Anyway, I'll stop here tonight. He received the sure mercies of David. May the Lord richly bless you. Brother Martin.